Hey anime friend, you're listening to the podcast version of this video. If you're a person who loves visuals, I suggest checking out the Anime to YouTube. That's also where you can leave your thoughts on the topics I talk about in this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Peace! told you that without the influence of shoujo, most shonen series would not be nearly as popular today. But wait, shoujo was created by shonen mangaka, and manga for girls didn't even become a thing until way after shonen manga was popular. So what do you mean? Well, history isn't as simple as you think, because despite those things being true, there was one unexpected fan group that didn't come about until the 80s and didn't even really earn a name for themselves until the 2000s, but completely altered the popularity of shonen and shoujo series. Today we're going to explore how the pioneers and revolutionaries of shoujo manga and an often forgotten portion of the anime fandom ended up altering what shonen magazines put in their series, all to understand why shonen still dominates anime and manga to this day. Welcome anime friends! If you're new here, hi my name is Phoenix and I dive into the world of visual storytelling in anime and sometimes manga on a semi-weekly, sometimes every other week basis. In my deep dive on the reason why shoujo romance anime is dying, I forgot one very important detail that I decided to remake into this entire video. I forgot to mention one very important demographic that kind of gets overlooked and ignored oftentimes when it comes to talking about the profitability of most shonen series. So today I decided to make an entire video based off of them and their influence. Who are they, you ask? Well, let me introduce you. But before you begin, make sure to grab your cup because it's time to spill the anime tea. Let's talk about Fujoshi and BL lovers and how their intense love for their fandoms ended up popularizing shonen series and why they never get talked about. Let's begin. Today's episode is brought to you by H2O. Just regular water. No, no tea today because I've had too much tea already. If I get too much caffeine, it, it gets messy. Okay, let's start. So I went and got my uh, professor glasses because I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a history lesson. Let's talk about shonen manga and shoujo manga and the beginnings of both and how they end up becoming intertwined. Most anime or manga fans are familiar with the term shonen manga. And if you are familiar with shonen manga, you should also be familiar with one of the biggest, most globally successful and well-known manga magazines, which is Shueisha's Weekly Shonen Jump, or Shonen Jump if you're going off of the English version like I did growing up. Shonen Jump published its very first magazine in 1968, almost 50 plus years ago. However, it wasn't the first shonen manga to ever be published. That award goes to Shonen Sekai, which was published in 1895, which was a very, very long time ago. Today, Shonen Jump is known for its high action and sometimes funny and comedic series. Many of the series that are popular and globally known and even household names have come from the Shonen Jump magazine. Series like Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, Demon Slayer, Hunter x Hunter, Jujutsu Kaisen, and most recently Chainsaw Man. The list of the most popular an anime and manga usually stems somewhere from Shueisha's Shonen Jump. And as its namesake suggests, it is a magazine that is targeted towards a young boy demographic. Now let's talk about shoujo manga. Shoujo got its start around the same time as shonen manga with its first official magazine, Shoujo Kai, in 1902. However, shoujo magazines were a little bit different because they had more novels or collections of anthologies 
rather than manga. Over time, manga became uh, more notable in these shoujo magazines, just like they are in shonen magazines. Something that I found out in the research of this video is that for the most part, up until about the 1960s, shoujo manga was actually written predominantly by men. And it wasn't until the 1960s and 70s where women really began to create manga and be more prominent in the world of shoujo manga. Some predecessors that I need to talk about who kind of helped to set the tone and the image of shoujo manga are the influential schoolgirl comedies of Shosuke Kurakane, like Tenten Musume. There's also the Takarazuka Review-inspired cross-dressing nights of Princess Knight by Osamu Tezuka, and the passive sparkly-eyed characters that influence the shoujo eye aesthetic, such as Arashi o Koete by Makoto Takahashi. These men, amongst others, ended up being the pioneers of shoujo manga. But more importantly, they paved a path for women to kind of come up and create their own shoujo manga, create their own stories for girls, by girls, with girls, and a whole new original genre that would completely change the dynamics of shoujo manga and shonen manga, which is BL. Let me reintroduce the year 24 group. If you watch my Bishonen history video, you probably are familiar with them, but let me give them a quick little introduction once more. They are a group of women that ended up changing the dynamic of shoujo manga, basically from being written by men to being written by women. The year 24 group term is actually coined by critics of these women, so it's not necessarily what they prefer to be called, but it is what people know them as, so that's why I'm referencing them as that. There is no name that they prefer to be called, actually. But some pioneers of this movement, of this era of shoujo manga, are Moto Hajio, writer and creator of the Po clan, Keiko Takamiya, creator of Kaze Tokino Uta, and Ryoko Ikeda, creator of Rose of Versailles. From their works, there came a new style of portraying particularly young boys known as Bishonen. Bishonen, as I said before, if you've watched my Bishonen history video, you know all about it. If you haven't, watch it after this one. Bishonen are beautiful young boys, particularly in this case, I'm talking about anime and manga and how their style and aesthetic was really determined by these young women who wrote and portrayed them in particular ways. The aesthetics and the looks of Bishonen in anime and manga that Takamiya and Hajio and Ikeda ended up inspiring include long willowy limbs, usually they're very tall, lots of uh, wispy willowy hair, and big eyes, sometimes big lips, and the shonen aesthetic usually leans towards more androgynous looking boys. With the birth of beautiful boys in anime and manga, or I should say the rebirth because they had always existed throughout history, came the birth of a totally new genre of BL, boys love, also known as Shonen Ai, also known as Yaoi, which I said completely wrong in the other videos, so please ignore that, but I believe it's pronounced Yaoi. Along with pioneering, uh, you know, the look of beautiful boys, Keiko Takamiya and Moto Hajio ended up also inspiring BL, boys love, putting this idea into young girls' minds that two boys can be romantic love interests as well, especially with series like Kase Tokino Uta, which featured the first male-to-male -male kiss in an anime. These ideas broadened the horizons for young girls, most predominantly, since we're talking about Fujoshi, but also young people at the time that I never before thought of relationships between two men. And finally, as we trickle down the list of history, we make it to the Fujoshi. Now, the Fujoshi term did not really come about until the 
early 2000s in chat rooms, and initially it was used as a derogatory term that male fans usually used against women who shipped male-to-male relationships in especially like straight uh, shonen series where the characters were never in romantic relationships with, an- with one another. So this is why, for the most part, when you see definitions or translations of the term Fujoshi, it is translated as a rotten girl. However, as time has gone on, Fujoshis have kind of taken the term back and reclaimed it for themselves and changed the dynamic of it so that instead of the kanji for the fu kanji, which is used to insinuate rotten, they've changed it to a different kanji to insinuate fermenting, which is supposed to be a reference to how fujoshi tend to change the content that they consume. So think of it more as fermenting girl rather than rotten girl, but some people use it as self-deprecating humor to insinuate that maybe fujoshi are a little rotten. There's also the male counterpart fudanchi, which is slightly less used, though they do exist. There's even an anime, I believe, somewhere out there where there's uh, about a guy who's a Fudanji, so I need to watch that. But, and of course, in between either of these, there are people who don't identify as either who exist that are also lovers of BL and BL fanfiction and things. Basically, this entire group of people is kind of one of the most hated groups of otaku on the internet for some reason. (laughs) But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let me talk about how the term didn't exist until around the 2000s and didn't really get reclaimed until like the mid 2000s. But the idea of Fujoshi, kind of the fandom of Fujoshi, already existed long before the 2000s. Probably right after the time of series like Kaze Tokino Uta in the Sunroom by Takamiya um, and other pioneers of shoujo manga's revolution into the 1980s with the Captain Tsubasa series, which was actually a shonen sports anime about a uh, soccer player who wanted to get Japan to the World Cup but also ended up capturing the attention of young girls who found it very interesting that the dynamics between two of the characters was almost romantic to the point where they started to create their own stories about Captain Tsubasa and that led to the creation of Dojinshi and Fujoshi. Though shoujo series were more likely to provide the shonen, BL, idol series and things like that to kind of appeal to these women who found this type of genre interesting and enjoyed consuming it, there wasn't really a shift until after Shonen Jump picked up on this peripheral audience that was making money and decided to capitalize off of it. So let's talk about Fujoshi and their relationship with Shonen Jump. So around the 80s, there came to be this idea that Shonen Jump was kind of moving away from publishing stories with characters that looked super macho and buff to more characters that looked more feminine, androgynous, and a little bit more bishonen. Some fans were a little bit more upset that the aesthetics and the styles of the macho-looking men in series like Fist of the North Star and Dragon Ball Z were starting to look more like characters from Saint Seiya and Yu Yu Hakusho. Despite the gripes though, Shonen Jump continued to put out series that looked like the later, with more series that had casts full of pretty boys, be shonen boys, who kind of matched the same aesthetic as those that are beloved by most Fujoshi. And they tried their hand at multiple different ideas, eventually kind of coming to a point 
a kind of sweet spot, if you will, where they found that if they just put a dash of pretty boys or if there's a series full of boys already, if we make them pretty and then put a little bit of rivalry or tension between one or two of the characters, especially if they are polar opposites or have compatible personalities, then we will definitely capture this fringe demographic, basically this extra demographic of young girls or people who like this dynamic and probably will use it to create their own fan fictions later on. And we really don't have to change much about the story or context or anything like that. And this ended up working fantastically. <laughs> Not every series worked, like I said, some of them were pandering too much, but the ones that were able to just have a cast of pretty boys and really capture the dynamic that Fujoshis are looking for to help them create their own ideas, to help them, you know, cement the ship in their minds, any of that was good enough. If you think of many popular series today, in fact, if you think of any of the ones that I listed earlier when it, in terms of Shonen Jump's most popular series, you probably will find some elements of pandering to Fujoshi, whether it's just like one or two uh, bishonen or pretty boys, maybe it's two male characters that have some type of tense relationship with one another that makes them shippable or anything in between. Even though shonen fans continue to, to complain about the differences in the styles of some of their favorite work or just new works that were coming out all having a particular style that they didn't like, this didn't stop Shonen Jump from continuing to do that uh, because it was clearly still working. Not only were they still keeping their shonen audience, which stayed anyway and still enjoys lots of the shonen content that they put out despite having prettier boys in it, they also were able to capture the fringe demographic of Fujoshi. And you may be wondering, why would Shonen Jump want to appeal to Fujoshis and BL lovers particularly? Like, what's so special about them? What do they have to offer? Well, there's this little thing called money that companies really like and Fujoshi like to spend it on those series. Let's get into that. So y'all tried to tell me in my comments, but I wasn't really completely understanding until I was making this video, um, how important it is that women and people who watch shoujo are to uh, like shonen series because they are more likely to watch and read shonen series alongside shoujo series when the opposite is not technically true. Shonen fans who are only shonen fans are not as likely to read shoujo or jose series so because we need to talk about why is aki from chainsaw man on the cover of a woman's lifestyle magazine why are the boys from blue lock in a restaurant collaboration where they're all dressed as butlers specifically Renske has an orange mango cream hotcake and i want to go eat it like why can't we have a blue lock cafe here anyway <laughs> and if you're around for the 80s and 90s and somehow were able to go to a Kamiket or something around that time, you might have also noticed a huge amount of Dragon Ball Z doujinshi, particularly doujinshi that featured Goku x Vegeta or Goku x Piccolo for some reason. So why is this the case? What is happening? Why is it okay? Yeah, and why is it okay for these shippers to use a company's IPs in order to make content that they can sell? Let's dive into that. 
According to Christine Michelle Santos, assistant professor in the Department of History and Japanese Studies program at Ateneo de Manila University, some media companies are finding ways to subtly integrate these BL literacies into mainstream media through merchandise that feature characters in alternative settings or through promotional materials that feature popular couplings among BL fans. So that's why you see sometimes official artworks with certain characters hanging out together in, in different situations. Like one time I saw a giant promotional ad for Bungo Stray Dogs at a convention and they were all in Yukata and there is never an episode where they're all just wearing Yukata and hanging out and going to a summer festival. So that is an example of companies appealing to Fujoshi fandoms. All of this is perfect fuel for Dojinshi. Dojinshi is basically, it's not, okay, people have a stigma against Dojinshi that it is all smooth and no substance. And I'm here to clarify that it is only partially substance, but mostly smooth. Um, sometimes there's no erotica in it at all. But in this case, in this video, we will be talking mostly about smooth. That doesn't mean that all Dojinshi is smooth though. The actual definition, the translation of Dojinshi is a combination of two different words. Um, Dojin means same person or people with the same interests, and she comes from the word zashi, which means magazine. Dojinshi actually have existed for quite a long time in Japan and have almost always been influenced by other original works that fanfiction creators and dojinshi writers use to create their dojinshis. But it has become more and more popular recently, especially because of Fujoshi women and BL lovers putting their own style, changing up characters from their favorite series to be in couplings with one another and creating something kind of totally new, fun, interesting, sometimes concerning, uh, but mostly with good intentions. As I said before, Takamiya, uh, Ikeda, and Hajio amongst the other pioneers who are said to belong in the Year 24 group really helped to cement the idea of BL into the minds of these young, now artists, writers, and creators, and consumers, of course, who enjoy consuming BL content. But beyond BL content, they would never have thought to ship two characters together from other series like Shonen series, which currently don't show any actual romance relationships between the characters without the influence of Takemiya and the rise of BL in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. Coming back to the question of how is all this legal possible? How is it possible for these Fujoshi to take an, a character from a series or multiple characters from a series is someone's IP that is, you know, protected by copyright law and then make something off of that and then turn around and sell it for a profit. Well, there are several reasons why. The first being that it's not technically legal to do this. But companies like media companies, anime and manga companies overlook uh, the use of their characters in these settings because it's free marketing for them. For example, some of the most well-known um, popular doujinshi come from some of the most well-known and popular shonen series like Captain Tsubasa, like I mentioned earlier from the 1980s. Dragon Ball Z, like I also mentioned. But additionally, and more recently, My Hero Academia, as well as Haikyuu. All of these different series, Dragon Ball Z and Captain Tsubasa are a little old now, but My Hero Academia and Haikyuu have very fervent, well-known uh, fandoms with a huge uh, amount of Fujoshi and people who ship characters together. 
Additionally, 65% of doujinshi creators are women. Additionally, the biggest convention to sell doujinshi at, which is Comiket, attracts over 600,000 people every year. And that is insane. Imagine someone who is unfamiliar with a shonen series, but then they go to a Kamiket, see a doujinshi of two of the main characters, maybe from a shonen series. They buy it, they love the characters in the doujinshi, and then they decide to go get the actual comic. So they pick up all the manga, then they love the manga because there's some context there that maybe there is something in between these two characters that, you know, is, is in between the lines. So between picking up the manga, all the new manga that come out, getting the new doujinshi from their artists that they love that also creates the coupling of their favorite characters and buying all the extra merchandise that these companies push out to help make a profit for the series, the BL fan is in complete heaven. <laughs> like they have all the options to buy a lot of stuff. Of course, their wallets are probably suffering, but they have all of the things that they could ever need in order to feel connected to their couple, their uh, ship, their fandom, and their favorite characters. Additionally, the Jinchi also get a bad rep for being, you know, smut, like I said, <laughs> but they've also allowed a pathway for mangaka and artists uh, and people to express themselves and eventually become like fully published, now famous creators and writers of series that people love today, such as, for example, Chika Umino, who is the mangaka of Honey and Clover, as well as March Comes Like a Lion, both who have anime adaptations as well. Before Umino created her own nationally recognized series, she sold slam dunk doujinshi at Kamiket. Small beginnings. Additionally, some, a really popular and well-known fact about the Clamp group is that they actually started off making parodies and doujinshi of the soccer manga Captain Tsubasa and of the infamous Saint Seiya. So this like led to their popularity, which in turn helped them to create their own series that are beloved worldwide, such, such a series like X, 1999, Chobits, Capture Sakura, Holic, uh, they did the designs for Code Geass. They're just so, they're so ingrained in anime and manga. And companies, like I said, love to feed into this. In another quote by Santos, various pop-up cafes and events are held to create environments that elicit effective responses from fans as their favorite characters are divorced from their main narratives and are transformed into chefs, waiters, and baristas. Like I said, with Blue Lock Cafe, they have those. Lots of sports anime actually have cafes that I did not know about where they put the boys into butlers or maids or things like that. Also, one particular example that stood out to me while writing this video is My Hero Academia's, I think, season three ending where they all are like kind of isekai'd into a fantasy setting instead of, the, you know, the hero world. and in particular, that one stands out to me because there's a lot of doujinshi um, and fan fiction and and fan art of that ending it, with the different character designs and the characters together. So, and surprisingly enough, or funnily enough, Hiroko Itsumi, the director of Free, Banana Fish, and State the Infinity, all of which also use the same elements that appeal to BL lovers and Fujoshi ended up directing that ending sequence. So it's a little food for thought, a little little tidbit of information for you. According to some random CNN article that I'm not sure is like creditable, but I thought would be interesting and fun to throw in, a journalist who was living in Japan was talking to CNN. He said that out of the Taku population, 
Female otaku have the most spinning power, which is one of the reasons why you see the increase of boy love publications and anime featuring good looking guys. And that was probably about 15 years ago. Okay, so you get, we get it right. Like, Fujoshi, they make some money, but you know, they're probably not making all that money. It's still shonen fans are making all the money, right? Like, it's just the shonen fans that matter, right? Why even bring this up? Who cares about the Fujoshi? They're a plague to the otaku community. Wrong. Uh, I bring this up because I think Fujoshi get a lot of bad rep because there are some people that are just a little too overly passionate about their uh, fandoms and their ships um, and that kind of makes it bad for all the other Fujoshi. I can't speak for Fujoshi. They're gonna have to speak for themselves, preferably in the comments below. If you would like, please talk about your experience if you are a Fujoshi, uh, Fudanchi, a BL lover. So just the idea of women like being interested and attracted to male and male couplings um, is always already looked down upon without the context of like looking down upon it from the perspective of like sexualizing gay men uh exclusively so there's, still, there's many layers in the fujoshi bl lover uh dynamic that should be expressed and talked about but kind of just get gets pushed off as like obsessive manipulative fan bases that don't really matter in the grand scheme of otakuness or whatever this is why i made this video today because i feel like no as many people are going to talk about influence of bl lovers of uh you know of shipping characters and how these companies purposely alter parts of their content to appeal to them yet the fujoshi are the only people who are seen as bad for doing what the companies are offering to them but i digress i'm getting carried away anyway i did bring this up a little bit in my uh shoujo romance video and i talked about like universality shonen jump and um these anime and manga companies are working really hard to make sure that things are more appealing to multiple demographics so that they can stay relevant and it's been working because they've been doing this since the 80s and 90s and, and they've continued to stay relevant so clearly there's something going on whereas we can almost compare it to like shoujo series who are kind of just unapolog unapologetically themselves there's lots of series that are bl idols pretty boy only cast as well and if you look at those they tend to be the ones that get anime adaptations the most. Fruits Basket has tons of pretty boys and it also happened to get a reboot. I mean, it is a really good series, but we can't deny that they probably also, probably one of the main reasons they got a reboot is because of its cast of characters that appeal to Fujoshi and they know that people will buy the content. But shoujo as like, in terms of like shoujo romance that is just like between a boy and a girl, uh, doesn't get talked about as much or doesn't get pushed because it's not, the, f the fan base isn't as fervent because again people who read shoujo will also read shonen but people who read shonen won't read shoujo they'll just keep reading more shonen or seinen because of that shoujo romance particularly gets kind of left in the wayside unless it bl or these other series with a cast of the shonen so either way you look at it it is a little bit sad still because shoujo still gets shoujo romance and shoujo series that don't fit the criteria still kind of get pushed and left to the wayside Whereas Shonen series has figured out this uh, formula to appeal to more people and therefore it continues to grow in popularity. Is Shoujo and Fujoshi and stuff alone the reason why Shonen series are are successful and the way they are now? Probably not, but they are a big part of its success and I think that they should not be ignored anymore when it comes to talking about how successful shonen series are, how successful anime and manga is globally now without contributions of people who love shipping characters together. So now let's talk about final thoughts.
So was I wrong in my Jojo Romance anime video? Was I incorrect in saying what I said about the connections between romance, uh, shoujo, and shonen, and things like that? Technically not. I think I just left out this big aspect that should be talked about. I want to bring light to the part of the fandom that gets shat on the most. And I wanted to kind of yell at people who are, uh, who are who get mad, these companies appealing to Fujoshi and BL lovers, when they are reaping the same benefits that the BL lovers are. Like, because of these horny, amazing people, you are getting multiple seasons, volumes, movies, merchandise and things of your favorite series probably would have never gotten if they never if the series never got that popular bleach fans are really out here thinking that only people who love shonen were responsible for the reboot of that series then they are dead wrong because there is an entire random of dedicated shippers the shonen lovers who are obsessed with bleach including myself who definitely were responsible in bringing back its reboot and why it's still popular and why it's beloved. As always, I will be leaving my resources and references in a link in the description. It's a Pastebin link. I feel like people are probably afraid to click on Pastebin, but it's a legitimate site. I've seen many a YouTuber use it. And if anyone like has questions about stuff and they ever want to look into my resources, you can look there. Thank you so much for watching. If you haven't seen my Shoujo Romance Anime is Dying video yet, you definitely should go check that out alongside this one. I'm going to put them kind of uh, with one another. And if you have already seen that, but you haven't seen my Bishonen history video, where I break down the complex, interesting history and origins of the term Bishonen and the aesthetics that are used in anime and manga today, which you may be a bit surprised as to where they actually came from, like I was. Make sure to check that out. They'll both be on the screen up here. Thank you so much for watching. Remember that Shonen series would not be nearly as successful or popular without the buying power of horny Fujoshi and BL lovers. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace.